I think we are facing right now an opportunity for disruption. Welcome to that show. A podcast where I sit with some amazing personalities from across sectors and borders to have meaningful conversation on topics that matters to us. Welcome back. My guest for the day is someone who is an expert at the higher level to the executive leadership on how children and adults learn through play. He is someone who has spent 9 years in building the research agenda and organizational expertise on children's development, play and learning and has published widely on the same topics. He has been a visiting scholar at the MIT Media Lab in Boston and an advisor to various international research organizations including the University of Cambridge Pedal Research Center, the Torrance Center for Creativity, Design for Play in Denmark and more. He is the chair of Learning Through Play at Lego Foundation. He is Boston Thompson. Hi Bo, welcome on the show. Thank you very much. Bo, uh, you are one person who walk and talk learning through play and we have always kept play and learning in two different buckets. How do you connect both? I connect both because children connect both very naturally from their born and the way they do it is that they learn when they are actively engaged in things they actually do things they try out things experiment and they actually enjoy doing it they enjoy learning new things even when it's challenging so when i connect play and learning it's because the way that we have uh, children have developed uh, through evolution is that they naturally explore and test try out things to be able to develop not only their understanding of knowledge like language and mathematics but also practical skills like collaborating or being creative so play and learning has been separated a little bit in terms of the terminology but in terms of the science of how children learn and play and all the way into adults it's actually very integrated you know i believe that learning through play can stimulate various senses and also activate various brain functions that many of us don't understand can you throw some light on this fact and why activating these senses and brain functions is necessary for the child's development absolutely so so the critical mechanism to learn is to activate as much of your brain simultaneously in a good positive way and uh, people have naturally talked about the brain as either left right or particular kind of uh, areas of the brain that are stimulated but what's reality is that the brain organizes in networks different types of networks with different functions and it means it's a whole brain that basically needs to be stimulated for you to be able to understand remember and practice things and when you are playful you have multiple senses activated you see things which is one part of your of your of your brain you touch things with one part of stimulus you might smell it you might hear it and it means that multiple part of your brain is stimulated at the same time if what play does is it keeps you actively engaged so you do things by observing uh focusing testing and trying out things and when that happens you know you are actually activating your full brain and it actually test and try out different functions and it means that you remember things deeper you remember things for longer 
So when children are born, they have you know neurons in their brain, but they're only connected by experience. If you don't have an experience, you cannot learn. And the better and deeper and richer that experience through multiple senses and your attention, the more you are able to uh, to, to learn it. Though as far as our present education system is concerned, we always say that it is killing creativity and eventually brainwashing our youth to get in line with herd mentality. How do you see learning through play actually empowering our people to help them make the right decisions for their career and life instead of allowing them to blindly follow others? Certainly, uh, there is this tendency of education to focus narrowly on specific outcomes like uh, understanding the curriculum or the science or the math uh, or the language. And what we advocate for is a broader skills focus into education because that's what's needed in the workplace and what people ask for. So when we look at the workplace nowadays, it requires not to memorize particular kind of knowledge. It, it requires you to creatively find new solutions, to collaborate with others, to critically reflect on whether this information is uh, true or false and whether it's useful. So actually, you know, education should be about supporting these broader skills uh, and not only narrow academic skills. The key thing is, it's not in contradiction or opposition to each other. Because you actually need knowledge to be creative. You need to understand or dive into something that interests you, whether a particular topic of in the environment or mathematics or science. But you need to be allowed to come up with multiple ideas to solve the problem or to approach that idea. So what we say is actually knowledge and these skills that we need with creativity and critical thinking and so forth I actually support through high engagement of the student and they can actually complement each other. So, you know, education shouldn't be only about academic and uh, knowledge. It should be integrated with us, allowing to collaborate with others, being able to test and experiment and come up with multiple ideas. You know, uh, I always say that it's better to design your own path instead of following others' footsteps. But what we see in our education system is that our system is equipped to force our pupil to follow herd mentality. Don't you feel that it becomes difficult for teachers to change their approach as first, it is difficult to embrace change. And secondly, our system is the biggest roadblock towards this change. There's certainly a systems roadblock, which is uh, the main focus of the Lego Foundation work also. Um, and it's, a, it's also a roadblock of tradition in terms of how, uh, you know, I was taught in school uh, it's not necessarily what I need to teach others as an adult. Um, one of the main roadblocks is, uh, is basically the aims of education. So it cannot only be about knowledge and curriculum. It needs to embrace these broader skills. So when we are in school, uh, the teacher needs to uh, be supported in saying they should not only remember the things that are in the lecture, but they should also be incentivized to collaborate and think creatively. So one of the roadblocks is to ensure that our aims of education is broader to include these type of skills. In terms of the teachers, one of the main challenges is that sometimes you think about teaching as instruction, only teaching one way from the classroom, or free play or open-ended projects. And one of the key things we found from research is that what the teachers uniquely can do is to balance different approaches. Instructions is sometimes good to get started at the beginning of a lecture like five, 10 minutes, get everyone on the same page, uh, then you can gradually go into projects or guidance with themes, say, what if we can think about a solution to uh, 
uh, a robot robot driving uh, 10 meters. How do you measure that? What is the friction? Let's try to build one. Or what is a what is an approach to think about the climate and sustainability? So more small narrow topics with themes that guide Tillens interest. Or you can have open-ended projects, particular times where Tillens say, let's let's go explore, go figure out what are an interesting problem or question or things you can make. The good educators are the ones who can use different approaches. They can both instruct, they can also guide particular kind of collaborative projects, and they can also support reflection in, in free open-ended projects. And you know, that's a big shift. It's a big shift from a teacher to say, I don't need to know everything and I don't need to instruct. I can actually also guide and reflect and I can actually support the feedback. If we can do that, if we can change the understanding of the aims of education to be broader skills and embedded that in our education and the way we assess much broadly, uh, and at the same time incentivize support the teacher's development in teaching towards these, then uh, the student will also be more engaged and more enjoy learning for a longer time. And they won't stop learning when school is done. They'll keep being passionate about developing their skills and seek new information. Now we know that each individual has its own unique learning style. And when we talk about different learning styles, we have always seen that teachers struggle in order to strike a right balance between 40 to 50 students with individual learning styles. Do you feel that learning through play can be a mechanism through which teachers can empower every stakeholder instead of following different methodologies or approaches? It can definitely. Uh, so some of the empirical studies we've seen, which means looking at the outcomes of approaches that use learning through play, deliberately talks about how this can reach more children and different types of children. And the main reason is it's, it's a more flexible approach. You're not saying that each child should be taught in uh, every child should be taught in the same way, but you can adjust your instruction or the materials depending on the child. So the key thing with uh, learning styles, learning styles is uh, you know are important, um, but the most important thing is that each child do not learn in completely different ways. They actually learn quite similar in the ways that they learn through experiences. So. So they all need kind of rich, stimulating environments where they can actively engage with materials and technologies. They are all you know, supported if they are okay to try new things out, not necessarily following the same path and, and allowed to fail sometimes. And they all learn if they can get feedback from others. So that's why we ask to focus on five characteristics that are really inherent to how a child develops the skills and learns through play. Uh, which is being actively engaged, enjoy learning the things even when it's challenging and being able to engage in things that are meaningful for the individual child because children have different interests and that you can socially interact with others and allow to test and try out different things. So learning styles, uh, you know, you need to think about the core of what learning is and then uh, you, can, you can flexible adjust that approach. Do you feel that it can also support people with learning disabilities? It definitely comes from, from, from that realm uh, of, uh, of, uh, of research and education. Uh, so the key thing of, uh, of, let's say, children of different needs is that you need to think about uh, different approaches that work for that child. It still needs to be actively engaging. So you need to think about how does this relate to a child being able to express their ideas and how they're learning, and how is it meaningful in terms of the topics, the interests, the past experiences. But learning uh, the, the special needs means also sometimes some children need more instruction and more constraint and more structure, 
where other can be easily adaptive to open-ended projects or diving into completely new areas of, of work. So I think it's more the way that your pedagogy, the, 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 the amount of choice you're able to give children and how you balance that choice with your own kind of direction. So some children are very confident in making own choices right away, and some children need to be helped in making own choices. Go in scenarios like today's when we are talking about online classrooms or in certain countries we are talking about the hybrid model. Mm. Don't you feel that online or hybrid mode of delivery can create hurdles when we are talking about learning through play? There have been really good examples over the past uh, couple of months now with, uh, with, with hybrid learning. Uh, and, and the ones that, that do that well is because they are able to balance the time between uh, instruction or online streaming and uh, independent work of the students. And they've been able to harvest the interest and the things that are meaningful for children's own environment uh, and build on that instead of necessarily thinking about the school as a starting point. So not online, online education only with technology will not resolve the challenges we have right now, but being able to use technologies for teachers to tune in on what are the interests of children right now in the actual home environment they're in or in the community? How can they, being able to support more frequent interactions of chat and comments, so that kind of work, and how can they support with more uh, independent projects? So it's a, it's, it is a, a huge opportunity to say, you know, let's develop a project around uh, one thing you find challenging in your home uh, and try to solve that using mathematics and language and science. And you can find interest and inspiration by connecting with your uh, peers, with your friends in school using online. So what you've seen is blended learning with the flexibility of time, less rigid in curriculum and structure, and more independence to students, actually are better equipped to be able to talk about a balance of knowledge and skills and high engagement. You know, when we talk about the play or learning through play, then we often categorize it with younger people. Don't you feel that it is equally important for adults? Absolutely. And I would say the evidence support that too. So the key point here again, when we define learning through play, we don't necessarily say play as a word. Sometimes play is often thought of as something that's frivolous, outside, only by own choice, or it's something only for young children. But actually the characteristics about learning through play, about being active and having choices and allowed to experiment, is something not only for younger children, it's inherently needed now in education, and it's something that is part of the everyday workplace. So when I go to work, I am allowed to make own choices in terms of the outcomes I'm going to reach. I have to find out new solutions to how I can reach these outcomes, and I have to work collaboratively with others. So it means that actually when we measure things as uh, how well do you do in the workplace, how do you feel good at the workplace, we ask the questions about, do you really enjoy learning new things? Are you actively engaged? Are you testing and trying out different ways of collaborating with others? So what we've seen is that the same type of characteristics that apply to effective ways of learning as a young child applies equally throughout uh, childhood and into adults. It just looked different. In school, it looks more like projects, a problem-based learning, inquiry-based, experiential learning. It's less a type of play, like I build with Lego bricks, I climb trees, I do games. It's more integrated with the school. And similar, when you go to an adult uh, and go in the workplace, 
well, you are allowed to work on independent projects. You're allowed, you have to figure out what are the key outcomes and find creative solutions. It's just look a little bit different in the format and the complexity is different. different. But learning to play can be applied from young to old. Now, when we are talking about the workforce environment, don't you feel that school is also a workplace? I agree that we often categorize it as an education delivery atmosphere, but for the teaching and non-teaching staff, it is a workplace, right? Absolutely. I think that's a very, very good point. Um, sometimes we have thought about classrooms or schools as these artificial environments that prepare children with knowledge so they are capable of you know, being educated and come into the workplace. But actually, the reality is very, very different right now. We, we need to think about how the workplace looks right now and how that can be part of real-life experiences in school. So school is, you know, to some degree a workplace in the sense that it's a contemporary workplace. You actually can use outdoor experiences. You can work with real-life practical challenges, whether it's uh, community uh, challenges, whether it's something from a local company, whether it's something uh, in, your, in your spare time. So the real-life practical examples to use that as part of school education have been even more important because then you are required not only to think about what you learn in terms of the knowledge you remember, but also how do you apply to actually find meaningful uh, applications and practical purpose. And that will equip them not only with a meaning, meaningful education and a purpose, but with practical skills and high engagement. We are talking about the skills that the workplace requires now. With this economic shift, when we are talking about new economies uh, or preparing our people for green or gig economies, what do you feel are some of the skills that our pupil may need tomorrow and how learning through play can actually stimulate those skills? So that has been heavily uh, investigated over the past years. And there are some really good studies from the World Economic Forum who like maps what are the key skills that the workplace is requesting in terms of critical thinking and creativity, for instance, in terms of more complex analytical skills, in terms of working with others and having more empathy towards others. And what's less is to remember key facts and figures and math and reading uh, and, uh, and more uh, traditional ways of, uh, of factory work. Um, I think that, that what Learning Through Play can do is exactly to develop these skills to think more creatively, to be able to collaborate with others, to be able to critically reflect on what you're doing as part of the process. But what's really the unique thing right now is that children need to be able to uh, adapt to change. Everyone needs to adapt to change. And when you're able to learn through play, you're actually able to explore the opportunities to learn new things depending on the need because it's a more flexible approach. So when we have a new situation right now, you have to deal with what, how can I learn in different ways? How can I uh, adjust my workplace? How can I uh, adapt different types of, uh, of structures and, and, and new, uh, new habits? And the only way to do that is to think creatively about how you can change things. Oh, maybe I can do this a little different. Maybe I'm able to structure my work like this. Maybe I can approach a product like this. So play gives you this adaptable mindset that allows you to approach change with creativity and use active engagement, experimentation, and enjoy learning new things as an approach to be able to develop, develop these skills. So it's much more needed than ever in our ability to be resilient and cope with, cope with this change. One thing which I have seen, and I'm sure that you have also seen or realized, is that how we have been forced to look upon certain industries for pursuing our career. And even today, kids are being pressurized to be a part of those industries. Uh, 
with this we now also have new companies coming up selling programs like yeah. coding and are trying to make coding new engineering don't you feel that without creativity learning programs like coding mm-hmm. or similar programs are actually forcing our people to be a part of certain predefined industries and it is actually like asking them to walk aimlessly um i wouldn't put it as hard as that but but certainly what uh, as coding as an example there's both a way to teach coding as and apply coding and i think uh, the, the the approaches that stimulates longer interest in things like coding is when it's done creatively when you are actually engaged in testing and trying out different ways of code from small experiments with a robot testing thing with the games and increasingly testing out more sophisticated ways of uh, pulling word blocks together begin to write code so we will call it more creative coding approaches when you are when you are learning it but the way coding is applied is also being more sophisticated so you need to be much more aware of how do, what are the ethical implications what are the the practical implications into a physical robot or into how it influenced people's lives so coding is much more about the societal implications of that uh, of that ta- of that skill uh, of coding so there's both in the way we teach coding and the way it's being applied is uh, it being uh, used much more broadly now now when we talk about learning through play in an educational institution or at workplace environment it is still confined at a local level uh, do you think that it is also possible to rethink at a broader spectrum let's say how two different educational institutions or organizations in two different countries can actually collaborate and explore something uh, through learning uh, through play absolutely I, i think we are facing right now an opportunity for disruption uh, across the not only schools but higher education and uh, this period in time has forced uh, education institutions to rethink not only who are their 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 customers but also to which way they're going to reach the content and in many places around the world you know content is quite similar uh, in its basic uh, in the basic format of it um and higher education uh, need to be rethinking how they can support and deliver to a much broader uh, customer base but it will still be required that it's done through more flexible platforms so uh, the online platforms uh, with active engagement where students for any background can pick their own kind of topics and can um, can cluster that together in a portfolio will be kind of a more adaptive um, adaptive way of going forward with with these type of platforms and i think it will be difficult for any higher education institutions in the future to rely on students coming to a to a university or college for five years in a row students and adults as lifelong learners would pick and choose from different type of uh, sources uh, partly physical partly online and would be supported in creating their own kind of portfolio because they will switch jobs much more frequently also throughout life when we talk about global citizenship or inclusion or diversity one thing that i have seen is the mindset that our previous generations have nurtured with during their lifespan and the way they actually try to enforce the same mindset on our younger generations and with this we have also seen challenges and disturbances across countries don't you feel that our educational delivery mechanism should change in a way that we talk more of collaboration instead of separation uh, everything uh, points to 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 increased collaboration definitely uh, but 
collaboration in a way that we don't need to do the same things, but we need to be much better at exchanging views, uh, having greater humility and modesty towards each other's, and much more curiosity into what are local differences, what, where do people come from when they say particular things, and how do people find ways to express what they say and do so we can, we can, um, we can bring forth the differences and talk about these. So collaboration here is, is an opportunity to, uh, to talk about differences and collaborate on joint challenges, which are needed right now when we are in the midst of both uh, health challenge, climate challenge, economic challenge, and, and, and new technology uh, disruption. So I, I definitely thought there's a, there's a call out for, for global citizenships to collaborate more, but, but in respect and humility and modesty for individual and cultural differences. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, when we are talking about the skills, now what we have seen is that we have a kind of hindrance or a roadblock that we are facing today in a way of fake or inappropriate information access through online resources. And our pupil consume such inappropriate or irrelevant information. And now when we talk about learning through play, do you feel that it can enhance skills such as reasoning or analytical skills so that they can actually understand and be able to differentiate between appropriate or inappropriate information? That's a very good question. I think it's one of the crucial questions that everyone are thinking about right now. And we are actually uh, trying to push more research in that area also now in, uh, in digital use, in digital well-being, uh, in, in ethics. It's, uh, it's, it is one of the, uh, the key anchoring points that we need to, to figure out ways to do. And I, I don't think there's any uh, specific solutions at this point beyond, uh, as I think mentioned before, that, that we need to be able to uh, reality check and share views and perspectives before we make decisions. So just because I get one particular video, uh, I cannot make a judgment upon that, that content or that video, that fact, unless I just find humility and say, where does that come from? Who was the sender? What are the sources? What would other people think about this? So it requires a more social approach to, uh, to content and technology, much more critical thinking, obviously, in terms of saying, how was that developed? Who was the, 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 the sender and so forth? But the particular ways we can, we can develop good guidelines around it and facilitate that dialogue is still, is still something to be explored. Well, there are many things that need more exploration, and I'm certain about that. And with this, what are your views on our education system? Don't you feel that it is the time to change our orthodox teaching approach and we might need to evolve with new methodologies and the new approach that can help us nurture our people for tomorrow instead of preparing them for past? I think the, the, the key point in terms of our education is we need to think about it not as a standardized form of education where we can equip any child with the same skills and the same like narrow path towards a, a future of success. We need to equip children to make their own decisions, to be able to find their own path and navigate new choices, what to learn and how to learn, not only in school, but after school. I think that will be the, the, the difficulty. If we already know exactly what a child should learn uh, at, the, at the age of, of, uh, of nine and 12 in school, then we are setting them up for failure. But if we instead think about supporting them in making good decisions, being able to learn new things and being more adaptable and making their own choices as they find their way into higher education, into work life, that's equipping them as independent, creative, engaged, lifelong learners, and that will be needed. 
So in that case, it's much more about scaffolding that learning process and being able to support that tutoring and feedback instead of necessarily knowing this is how the future is going to look like. You know, when we talk about the correlation between school and higher education and the quality of our educators, I actually feel it as a domino effect. As, uh, you know, when we are not disrupting in our school education system, then we are always blaming that our teachers are not ready to learn. And what we don't realize is that our teachers are actually the byproduct of our higher education. Don't you feel that even our higher education is not equipped to produce quality teachers? Yeah, I think it, we need to think about everyone as part of a system. And, uh, and uh, teachers have been educated and are very skilled in the profession of teaching. Um, but it's highly influenced in the expectations that a parent have. So uh, we see that parents do still increasingly have expectations to academic excellence alone and not about creativity and critical thinking and collaboration. So teachers need to be helped by parents who demand that my students, my children are also ethical, responsible, or collaborative, can come up with new ideas. And secondly, as we said, from the other side, from the more top-down, governments need to recognize that teachers operate under the guidelines of a curriculum or the assessments that are put in place. So one cannot expect teachers to be creative and uh, highly engaging in their teaching styles if the main accountability is towards a narrow curriculum-only knowledge, very you know, strict lectures, 45 minutes, or standardized assessments. So there needs to be more flexibility in thinking about the broader skills. And finally, then teachers themselves, yeah, it is, a, it is a much more adaptable practice to be a teacher nowadays. And I've tried myself, and I would say that it is complex. It is very different needs. And this ability in your ongoing professional development to be supported, that instruction cannot make it alone any longer. Your own knowledge. You need to be able to respond to students individually. And if you have 40 students, you need to be able to cluster in groups, do project-based work, more independent work, where you guide with themes and critical questions. And sometimes you have open-ended projects, but still have more independence and choice and develop their creativity and own self-regulation. So the professional development of teachers is a broader, more integrated pedagogy, as we say, um, that would be able to fit both the parent needs and expectations and the government uh, system. So that it is a systems challenge that we are trying to address right now also to move towards a common goal that to equip children with a broader set of skills that are much more relevant for the work life and community nowadays, which includes a combination of knowledge skills and definitely a high engagement to keep learning for the rest of one's life. Both we always have and we will face system challenges. And it is the case with every industry. But pertaining to the education industry, when our teachers are underpaid or are not being respected, then despite of having resources, they lack the will to perform better or to learn something new. Or they even lose respect for their institution or even profession. And I personally believe that it is their right to be respected and to be paid well. Yeah. Now, how do you see learning through play can actually enhance their skill set in a way that they can lead a more respectable and professional life? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. It is one of the key challenges we also hear, particularly in, uh, in, 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 in areas of more socioeconomic differences and, and challenges. Like if, if the teacher profession is not respected as one of the most important disciplines of society and is not uh, honored and, uh, and paid in, in, with the same kind of uh, um, responsibility, then, then, then it's very difficult to uh, find and nurture these exp experiences among a teacher. 
So we need to recognize teachers, whether they're teaching in school, whether they're teachers uh, in preschool uh, and pedagogues, which are even uh, maybe even more important because that's where the main development learning happens among child. They need to respect it and paid for that, uh, similar to to any other professions. Then, in terms of moving, you know, and supporting teachers at different levels, uh, I think the core kind of ambition for teachers are passionate about children's learning. They really need to be passionate about seeing a child grow, uh, strengthen their capacities and interests. If they have that, there are different levels and support one can provide depending on the resources uh, one has. If you come from a very resource-constrained environment, you know you might start with easy activities, make it help really help the teachers to say, these are the kind of activities that can engage the whole class in something that's curriculum relevant, but you're actively engaged. You're not only passively teaching children. And gradually, you can kind of extend that into more sophisticated professional development. You can go to <clears throat> high-level models where you release at the administrative time, increase time for peer feedback among teachers, and even get external support. But I think at the, at the lower part here, where we constrain environments, it needs to be very easy for a teacher to understand how can they relate to the student and facilitate large classrooms with active engagement. And that's not impossible. You've seen the examples of that. It just requires a little more help in terms of to make it practical. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And with this, it's time to say goodbye to you, Bo. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. Also a pleasure. Thank you. I hope that you all have enjoyed listening to this fun and meaningful conversation with Bo Steren Thompson. If you have liked this conversation, then do rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your network. And we will meet again in the next episode with another amazing guest. Thank you for listening to The Ed Show. You can now listen to the same podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts or you can watch it live on YouTube. And I'll see you in the next episode. Till then, stay safe and stay happy.